Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right. Man, I tell you what, if you had the subwoofers going, that was probably sweet. I'm going to start the show, I think, with that Arsenio Hall thing, if you guys, for, for the old school people out there. Remember that? With a Remember that? That was sweet, right? Arsenio Hall. And then I think he had like a big finger he waved all the time. Yes. Well, I think we're doing, this is like episode, I think, 81. Woo. 81. I thought I was just going to do a couple of these in here. I've literally just, you just keep knocking them out. So coming up on today's episode, we're going to be talking about dog beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Oh, I think I just heard a whole bunch of people click their podcast off. Don't, don't do that. We've got a great conversation. Going to be talking with uh, Jenny and Jackie from the um, from the company Emo Pet OG Pet OG. Yeah, I had to say it correctly. I had to I had to get that out there. Um, they they made a really cool uh, custom designed dog beds and. I really dug their story. Um, you know, they're new and young in the entrepreneur world. They're down in Texas, so we really got into um, you know a lot of conversation around how do you get your young company off the ground, where crowdfunding fits into it, like a like a Kickstarter. Obviously, they've already been successful, but they still have got a couple weeks to go. So we really got into a, a great conversation. So that's coming up a little bit later, but um, you know, now is my time where I have to get my therapy out, you know, and 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 tell everybody what's going on around here and, and what is going around around here. Going on around here, not much. Yeah, just kind of in the grind, right? We've got a rainy, stormy day today. I'm um, gonna go do some some swimming with my daughter. I know all this stuff is just just out of, out of this world, but I will tell you that the biggest news right now is this: I bought guitar strings. I'm restringing my acoustic. I've got it actually out right now. It's tuned up, but I haven't. I got to change the strings. The strings are probably th- two years old on it. It needs a, some love and attention. I got to get my input jack. I'm back. I'm playing through, and now the big discussion is, I think I'm going to try to get some lessons. I know. I'm not that guy. But here's what, here's what I've, I've realized. I want to put a touch of professionalism around my guitar playing, something I've probably never had. I mean, I can pick it up, fiddle around, play a lot of stuff, you know, but I don't have strong core foundation that if I was thrown into a professional setting where somebody was like, hey, we're going to move the, the song down a half a step, that would probably actually throw me off. And obviously I'm being, I'm opening my, my, um, you know, my lack of some of my abilities. So I'm being vulnerable by telling some people this, that I'm not amazing at music. I just, I, you know, I, I fuddle my way through. Oh, oh, who's coming here? Here's Neve. Neve, what can I do for you? Ah! What, Nevi? Well, we're not going to swimming for a little bit. Why don't you go watch another? We got 10 more minutes, and Dave's going to finish up this, okay? That's Nevi, everybody. So, so yeah, so I got the guitar strings. I'm going to, you know, I got to put them on, and then I'm going to do a little bit of work. I got to fix an input jack from a jackass who broke it. Um, so I got to do that. And, oh, mind you, wouldn't pay because it was somehow my fault that the input jack on 
the guitar he borrowed from me for three years, he, he broke. But whatever, that's a whole nother story. So and last night, I had one of those calls that was just really, really... I got to stop saying the really, really. I, I feel that's Donald Trumpish. I got to get better at my vocabulary. So I had a conversation last night that was tremendous. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I had one of my, my, my lead calls where somebody calls and they're just looking for some advice. And when, and when this woman got on the phone, I mean, she was just beaten down by scammers. And I'm telling you, this is my, I think one of my new things that I really want to find a way to combat and attack in this crowdfunding niche. So this woman gave somebody a whole bunch of money um, and her whole thing was like, I'm going to get you 10,000 tweets. You know, number one, we don't even focus on Twitter half the time because Twitter is a just a garbage automation. Yeah, we do some Twitter stuff, but it's mostly just to make sure that you don't look like you're, it's a dead platform. It makes you look like you're kind of there, right? And you just never know when somebody wants to ask you a question through Twitter. So we don't even really focus on it that much. But, you know, so this woman, you know, was convinced by some guy or some woman, whatever it was, to, to go and put money into a whole bunch of tweets. And then she hired another agency that, uh, you know, and this is this is the cli- this is the client's fault where she hired an agency, didn't ask a lot of questions, didn't do research, and just literally gave the keys to the castle and said, "Hey, go, yeah, um, you know, make my campaign successful." And what do you think happened? Uh, she's got a fifty thousand dollar goal on a very cool product, a product that I have seen go on crowdfunding all the time, and she's at like eighteen hundred bucks or something. You know, it's just not going to work. You know, so so getting her on the phone last night. You know, obviously she's coming at me scared squirrelish. So, you know, I just really had this, we had a great conversation where I was just like, I'm not selling, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just letting you know, you know, facts, (laughs) you know, this is how it works. And by the end of it, she's like, you're the only person who's talked to me in a way, you know, I didn't promise her anything. I told her how hard the work is. I told her, you know, it still is about you. That was one thing that she's like, when I hired that other agency, they didn't really want me to do anything. And she's like, I always in my gut thought that was wrong. She's like, it's my project. I have to be a part of it. And I told, I, you know, I advised her. I said, yes, you have to be a part of it. So this, is, this becomes the, you know, why we focus so much on why a project creator has to be social. And it's the hardest thing for a lot of people to do because maybe you're not social. Maybe you're not putting, you know, three posts on Facebook a day or, or living a public life or doing a podcast like this and putting your vulnerability out there. It's why when we sign a client, our first month is getting you into this group or at least trying, you know, putting rudders on you and saying, hey, you got to post something. You've got to be social. You've got to be have the ability to respond to comments or talk elegantly, not even elegantly, just talk to some degree online about your product and just be a human being. And we find that if you don't have that portion of the pie for crowdfunding, you're not going to fund. And the conversation that's going to come up later, you're going to hear Jenny and Jackie, you know, they're very personable and they're a little bit younger, you know, so maybe social media comes easier for them or whatever it is, but you can just hear that they are out there, they're open, they're willing to have conversations, and then you have a successful campaign. So, you know, it's a huge chunk of the pie chart, you know, when, when you're looking at it. Yes, um, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those have a, you know, a chunk too. And 
email and, you know, connecting to influencers and press, all that. But you as a creator have to be social. I mean, there, there's a phrase we use around Woodshed all the time that crowdfunding, it's just the currency of social media. You know, so if you are not out there talking, you will not raise money. If you don't build a crowd, this is my other thing. Man, I had, I had two conversations also yesterday that I just put my head against the wall and just banged them. You know, I'm watching, we have this kind of, I don't even know what to call it, where they just keep putting up campaigns without building a crowd. They're, they're, they're constantly focused on building the page and the video. And then they do all that stuff. They put it out and they go, where, why is anybody coming? Excuse me. Man, I'm going to have to put a compressor on this one. This one's a wild one. But yeah, so we we keep watching these same mistakes over and over. So we go back and we say it's very simple. It's called crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. If you don't have a crowd, you're not getting funding. It's that simple. So focus on that. The video, I've seen awful videos and I've seen amazing videos. Both have failed. I've seen videos that are mediocre raise millions of dollars. I've seen videos that are bad raise millions of dollars, millions of dollars. I've seen everything. Focus on the crowd. Focus on being social. Focus on connecting with people. That's ultimately what crowdfunding is. You know, when you have, you know, a hundred some odd backers, that's a hundred people that have connected with you. That's gold. That's, you don't know what comes from all of these connections. That's the important thing. So, I put that out as thoughts for today. Um, so a couple things. Remember, if you're enjoying the podcast, a couple things you can do to help. Tell a friend, give us a review, share us on, you know, share us on social media, right? Be social yourself. Take an opportunity to be social. Go out and share this to three or four of your friends and tell them, hey, you got to listen to this. There's some good stuff going on here. Number two, hey, if you want to support backers, this is a great opportunity if you've got a pet, go check out this pet bag online. You know, go on Kickstarter, put in pet OG, um, and and you know, support Jenny and Jackie, support what they're working on. Support other project creators. Buy your stuff through here. Support, you know, it's not even supporting local, it's just supporting small business is really what it comes down to. That's a huge, huge benefit. And of course, if you want to, you know, work with us, go to the website, woodshed.agency and and you know, connect with us there. Sign up for something. Join my mailing list. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Whatever it is, just connect because um, there's human beings behind the scene that want to connect with you. So, all right. I think that's enough about me ranting and uh, taking up a couple minutes of your time, but I appreciate everybody out there. So let's go ahead and kick into my conversation with Jenny and Jackie from Pet OG. All right, ladies, the red light is on. This is record time. Hopefully you guys are both excited. Yes, we are. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, now, since there's two of you on, on the line, why don't we um, start with, so that people can recognize voices and names and know who's talking, why don't we have one of you guys kick off with uh, who you are and then, uh, you know, give a little taste of what your voice sounds like. Okay, uh, I'm Jenny. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say about myself. I guess. I'm- <laughs> what do you do for the? What, what, what do you? What do you do? Who are you? Why are you? Why are you on the? Why are you on the why line? I'm on the line. Okay, I'm Jenny. Um, I do marketing uh, for Pet OG uh, with my business partner Jackie. She does the product design. I do marketing and sales and all the other outreach. Um, since it's just the two of us, 
I also do a lot of the shipping and order fulfillment and uh, customer service. Kind of anything else that needs to get done. All right, cool. This is All right. And, this. and now, Jackie, your turn. My turn. This is Jackie. I, uh, I'm the product designer and developer for Petoji. So every uh, bit of new creativity kind of comes from my brain. We bounce it off each other, and then I go and actually make the stuff. So all of, the, all of our products are currently produced by me. We're uh, working on hiring some great new team members, but right now we're the two-headed monster that, that runs all of Petoji, and it's Sweet. pretty pretty awesome so so we got a uh, right brain and left brain connected exactly <laughs> it's funny because she's left-handed and i'm right-handed we always oh, seem to seem to sit on the wrong side of the table next to each other and we're hitting each other with our arms bumping elbows bumping elbows well well all right i think everybody's got that so let's talk about what you're raising money for on kickstarter right now and what, what what's the project yeah so our project is called hibernate it's a fully customizable dog bed that we let our users choose, you know, how they want it to look because oftentimes when you find a dog bed, it's ugly and gross and it's not something you tend to want to put on display. And if you think about it, I don't know if, do you have a dog? Well, I've had dogs my whole life and currently right now that's a conversation amongst my wife and I. That's uh, you, should get, is, you should get a dog. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> I, I had Miss Madeline Francis for 15 years of my life. Uh, she she passed away, uh, which is, you know, it happens. She got old. But uh, since then, we've had, this is my longest time without a dog, which is like two, I'm on year two. So uh-huh. yeah, and that's because, you know, I don't know, we're thinking about moving. I don't know. It's just up in the yeah. air. We don't, we oh. don't know yet. But but we are definitely dog people. So, but when but when you do, it's you know, where did your dog want to be when you're home, next to you? Yeah, they want to be near you. So we wanted to create something that you'd feel, you know, proud to display in your house, and that your dog is going to find comfortable. So throughout our testing, you know, we've gotten our dogs several dog beds in the past, and they either don't lay on it, they, you know kind of use it they incorrectly use it once, or they pee on it and they then it's pee ruined. on it or, or you know they end up laying on your couch or on your bed yep all of these things are pillows so why wouldn't you shape your dog bed like a pillow it just makes sense it's more comfortable for the dog it makes it easier for you to wash the cover i mean how often do you wash your sheets yeah that's a once a week job for me on fridays exactly and your dog your dog is doesn't get a bath every day like you do yeah. So, you know, it, we wanted to create something that was easy also to wash. And that's kind of how Hibernate, you know, came to be. We, so when we, you mentioned customizable, what, what does that mean in terms of dog beds? Yeah, customizable. So the, our covers are, if you've seen our page or not, we offer kind of all these funky, cool patterns that, that nobody else does. Other companies, they'll maybe have like five or six different colors you can choose. We've got 20. And... You know, you get to choose the top, you get to choose the kind of the color accents on the corner and the bottom. So truly nobody's bed is alike. And it's something that's really going to match, you know, your personality and your style. So, so where did this idea come from? Where, where's the, uh, where's the cocktail sketch, you know, uh, on a napkin where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, we should do this. Where'd that start? Yeah. So I've been kind of designing dog beds in my head since college. I've always wanted to work it into a project, but it never really, you know, happened, never came to be. When we started this company, uh, when was that? July, year and a half, year and a half ago. 
our first product was a leash. It's called the Adventure Leash. And we do our leash a little bit different than everybody else. It's a waterproof leash, durable, stink-proof, all of that. It's awesome. But even more than that, we let you make it custom. So what that means is you get to choose the colors that go together, the carabiner color, the hardware color, what length you want, you know, what if you want it multicolor, rainbow, whatever. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We can make it for you. And so that's that's been our our little niche is is custom. And so when we've been kind of going around to our retailers and talking to them about dog beds, custom is really not something that anyone else is offering in the right way. Right, right. So, so that's where we saw an opportunity to get into that space. And I think that all of these, you know, ideas that we've had about dog beds combining with that customization part is really where where the idea came from. And just through prototyping samples, I think my our design has been refined over and over again to get kind of where we are now. So so for this for the um hibernate how long has this project been from, you know, kind of the original idea to, to now? How long have you been working on this one? Jeez, like a year and a half. half. Yeah, we started testing um, actual prototypes on our own dogs probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then over the last six months, Jackie's been refining it and, you know, making tweaks, completely changing it, going back to stuff that we liked. And then, uh, I don't know, three months ago or so, we sent samples out to actual, like, beta testers about 20 different dogs of all different sizes. So we made sure we had enough for the very big dogs. And, we, you know, yeah, we yeah. actually, we, we brought our biggest, originally we only had three sizes and now we have four. We brought our largest size to our German shepherd, our friend with a German shepherd who's 90 pounds. And we were like, this isn't big enough. Yeah. Right. You know, we thought it was huge. Cause our pound, our dogs are, you know, 20 pounds, 15 pounds. We're like, Oh, nobody would ever need a bed this big. Yeah. And we were like, you know, we need something bigger than this. We need, uh, we need the supreme size dog bed. And so to test that one out, we kind of laid on it ourselves because we're kind of small people. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, well, if it can hold us, it can hold a big dog. And and we even had requests from, from others on um, Kickstarter and, and otherwise that they want one that's even larger. And because we are owning the manufacturing of this product, we can do anything that our customer needs. And it's not going to take forever because it's coming from us. It's coming from the USA you know, and, and we can do it quick. Yeah. As a previous, uh, great Dane, uh, owner. Yes. Uh, I had to buy a twin bed. <laughs> exactly. It's like, a, yeah. it's literally a mattress. It is. It's big. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of funny. I actually just purchased a new crate for my little dog. who's going through potty training right now. And I, I got the largest one you could buy on Amazon. And that thing is like four feet long and three feet wide, I think. And, I'm like, what dog fits in here? I I fit in here. <laughs> she's she's like nine pounds in, inside of there, and it's really funny. It's like a, an apartment for her. That's cool. So you, you mentioned uh, you know manufacturing in the United States. Let's talk a little bit about that. So how did you guys get this company set up to to be able to do what you're doing right now? So we we've, we've got a couple machines already that we've invested in because we knew we wanted to go into you know textiles in some form or fashion eventually. Um, and we, we've had experience working with another company that our friends own uh, called Tri-Provisions that does outdoor gear. And so learning from that and all of the trials and tribulations of producing those products overseas, mm-hmm. we, we were like, we want to start our company the right way. We, you know, 
there's there's definitely great ways to deal with overseas manufacturing, but it is a pain. Yep. And and you know it, it may be harder to do what we're doing, but we don't care. We right, like yeah, the challenge. It's better. We can also develop products faster and test things out. You know, on a Monday, if we decide to, we don't have yeah, to wait it, for somebody else. It's going to take me a year to develop even a simple product with a manufacturing company overseas where I can, if I have an idea, I can run over to the sewing machine and do it that day. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no limit to how we can grow if we can keep producing products quicker and quicker and faster and better. Yeah. So, so with this project taking, you know, little, you know, a year and a half or so, what, what was the biggest pivot that you had to over, uh, overcome or, or maybe the biggest blockers? I think the, the biggest thing was, you know, how do we make our value, the value of our product come across to our customer? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you look at it and it's like, well, that's just a pillow, mm-hmm. but it's really not, you know, it's, we fill our bed with what we like to call cloud nine filling, which is a synthetic down alternative material you'd find in a nice duvet or a high-end human pillow. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're ever going to find in a dog bed. So we, we really wanted to go above and beyond kind of with our material selection and the way that we produce our product to really get that value across because there's so much noise in the pet space. Mm-hmm. It's very competitive. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, we, (laughs) I like the challenge and that's totally cool. But, you know, making a product that, that our consumers love and being a company that they can trust is really our main goal and overcoming, you know, the, the competition in the space is just kind of a challenge that we go through and, and we learn from and, and get better every day. So kind of my follow-up to that is usually, you know, if that was kind of the pivot, what was the moment that it, maybe it all came together that you really kind of knew that you had something here and you should, you should run with it? Uh, I think that the first thing, at least for me personally, was when my dog fell in love with this dog bed because I've bought her every bed under the sun from when she was a three-pound puppy to what she is now, and she, like, shuns them. <laughs> and I brought the first sample home, and this was, you know, six, seven months ago. She's been laying on it since. And, you know, when that started, I was like, this is good. Yeah, I mean, I, as a, the one who designs the products, I go to bed every night, you know, in a, like, sweat, like, is this good enough? A- right. Am I doing the right thing? Is it, does this need to be changed? And I think that once that voice turns off in my head, like, it, it feels, you know, it feels right. Like, even, you know, Jenny's dog doesn't lay on dog beds. My dog's lay only on my lap or on the couch. And they love this dog bed. And that that's really, you know, kind of what tells me, I think we've got something right here. Everyone we've given it to has said. We love it. It we, looks great. Our dog loves we love it. it. It looks great. Nobody's doing anything like this. You know, I think you're on onto something. That's cool. So let's, let's, let's go, let's go back further. So where did the two of you grow up? What's your, uh, what's, what's your stories? Yeah. So we actually grew up in a suburb North of LA. I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but we're from Westlake village. Um, okay. we went to high school together and we actually ended up working together after college back in California. Um, we did. I, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story because <laughs> I left, I went to school in upstate New York. It had been my fifth winter there, and I was just done being on the East Coast. So I, I moved back home to California and 
took a couple months off, went to go interview for this job, and I walk into my interview, and apparently the person who was Jenny's boss, who was supposed to interview me, was not there that day. I walk in, and this girl is standing in front of me, and I'm like, I swear this person looks so familiar to me. (laughs) I don't know, like, there's... I have to know you from somewhere. You know, we do the interview and I walk out and I'm like, did you go to Westlake high school? She's like, yes, I did. And I was like, I knew it. (laughs) I went and found her in the yearbook. (laughs) She like, didn't want to hire me. And then, you know, I I finally got hired and, you know, we were great together, you know, since then for about a a year and a half there. And then two two more years years here. So we're, we're a really good team. So you guys are located in Texas, though, right now, right? We are yes. now, yeah. We moved to Texas two years ago to do this full-time. I, well, what was the decision to go from California to Texas specifically for this company? Or like, how did you guys get here? Get we there. moved here for, to work on the, the company I spoke about earlier, Tri-Provisions. Oh. And uh, you know, our, our boss at the, at the old company was said, you know, hey, I started this company with my friends. I want to move back home to Texas. You know, do you want to come? And we're like, you know what? What better time in our lives to kind of drop everything and just go pursue, you know, something awesome, build a, an amazing company from the ground up and, uh, you know, take that chance. That's cool. And what, what did everybody's parents do? <laughs> or so, did do? What? Did they do? Yeah, my dad, he kind of just does odds and ends now, but he owns a like medical parts business. So he sells parts to the local hospitals. And my mom is in school now to be a dietitian. So she took, you know, 20 years off when she had kids. (laughs) That's what she's doing now. Yeah. Small vacation there in the middle. Yeah, right. (laughs) My my mom's been super supportive. She, she kind of, she understands that I'm working really hard and and she's there to, you know, (laughs) help me when I need to fill my gas tank up every once in a while. And uh, it's it's been great. I I don't think I could have done this without the support of you know the family and friends around me that kind of are saying you know what this is your dream to do this and I I support you. I know you're going to make it happen. And how can we help? How can we help? That's that's been a huge thing for us is is the network. You know it's hard to ask for help once you get past that. People are almost always willing. Right. Right. So where do you think the entrepreneur spirit? you know, that, that clearly has bit both of you. Where do you think that came from? I have no idea <laughs> to be really honest with you. I, I, I don't think if I would have told myself, you know, five or 10 years ago that I'd be doing this, I would have believed me. Um, I think, I think it's just the, the being young and wanting things to be better yeah. and, and, optimism. I can't say that I'm like the most optimistic person in the world, but then at the same time, I kind of am, you know, it, it's like two personalities of myself that just, you know, I, I want to drive myself to be better and do something that I love. You spend so much time of your day working. Why wouldn't you want to do something? Yeah. That you love? We, we both kind of agreed that we wanted to make sure we loved what we were doing. Cause we do, we, we live at the office some days. I mean, mm-hmm. when we buy our sewing machines for our, you know, little factory production area here, we want to paint them with animal characters yeah. on them and, you know, have people around us that want to be here and be a part of right. something and, you know, want to stay here forever. That's cool. That's cool. Well, let's flip a little bit over to the, to the Kickstarter. So, you know, you've got a, a campaign that's been successful already with still oh, what, just under 30, 29 days to go. Yep, um, yep. So you've got a lot of time left. Uh, so what was kind of the overall strategy and, and well, let me back up quick. Is this your first Kickstarter campaign? 
This is our yes. first Kickstarter. Okay, yes. so you yeah, so the leash did you you just didn't want to go to yes. crowdfunding for that or you just just no. did it a different way? So for the leash, um I actually took it around to all of the stores in, you know, the Southwest, so DFW, Austin, we went out to Colorado, we hit up California, and we kind of just walked into the stores and sold it to them. Hmm. You know, in front, uh, you know, just right yeah, there. We did, we did a lot of consignment just so, to, just to get our name out there yeah. and, and kind of get get ourselves going. And for the dog bed, because it's a higher cost item and requires you know a lot of investment to start us producing in the way that we want to do it, we decided that Kickstarter was really the best way to do that because you know, obviously, you're getting a large number of orders up front, and then you know can use the money on the back end to fund all that stuff and so this being our first kickstarter we we have we, learned a lot we've learned a ton so much and and people have been great we we contacted people and they're so happy to call and like help us out which is an awesome the kickstarter community is great i would totally do it again it is the hardest thing we've probably ever done mm-hmm. but it's great we set our length of our campaign longer than we wanted because we knew that you know, there were going to be things that we hadn't thought of and, and, you know, it wasn't possibly going to get picked up super fast. And so that's why we, we've been going for about 15 days, 14 or 15 days. And we still have 30, 30 days left because we knew that the next 30 days was going to be the real beginning. (laughs) Well, when you decided that Kickstarter would be the right way to get this product out, what was your first step? I mean, like, like, like just, I don't know, making a video, doing some math, reaching out to people. What, what was that first step like? Yeah, the first step was, you know, making the samples mostly. Yeah. And, and kind of once I found the manufacturers I wanted to use and the amount of just different patterns and colors of fabric that were available to us, mm-hmm. it was kind of like logistically to be able to offer that much, you have to know what you need to order ahead of time or your lead times are going to be super long and your costs are going to be really high. Right. So we started and we made like 20 something samples of all different patterns and sent them out to people so that we could get content to make our video. Yeah. I'd say we did the samples and then we picked a date on the calendar. Um, we picked a date because it was like, you know what? It's, you're never going to be ready and uh, pick a date so that there's a deadline and yeah. stick to it. And we, we moved it once, if we're being honest. But uh, other than that, we, we hit everything else as we had planned. Yeah, um, we, we've been preparing for, I don't know. At least six months. Six months. Yeah. Six yeah. months getting the Kickstarter together. And a lot of that beginning work is just, you know, who are we going to contact right. to, to get the word out? And, of course, who are we going to contact three to four times because they're not going to care the first couple that we you know ask and it, it's starting to come back to us people are starting to Say respond okay. and reply and, and we knew it would take some time and that's why i'm glad we gave ourselves the extra you know few days to really ramp up a bit get well, funded it, you know for that six months that you're was there an overall marketing strategy that you guys kind of had thoughts of paper clicks or email signups was there anything that you were just really focused on our main focus really was, you know, get our landing page up so that we can grow our database because that's where we have our highest conversion. We do we do some advertising, but as a self-funded company, it costs so much money to to throw those ads out there. We still do it, 
you know, on a small scale, but social advertising helps us get, you know, awareness that we exist up and it's great for that. But as far as converting into, you know, pledges now, I don't think it really is working for us. So, and so with that said, what, what do you, what, what do you, are you seeing is, is working right now for you and what are you focused on maybe for the next 30 days or so? Yeah. The, the best thing we've seen really is, is just through email. So, um, since the campaign has been up and now that we're funded and we had an interview with Fox news this week, um, since we have all of that together, people are more inclined to introduce us to their connections. Mm-hmm. And we're finding that now getting, you know, introduced to their network, we can email their database and their contacts and that converts to sales for us or to pledges, I guess, for the, for the campaign. So that's what we, what we're focusing on now is just making new connections and constantly networking and finding, finding new avenues and new channels that we hadn't thought of. We're definitely, we're definitely getting, you know, some bloggers to post about us and run a few contests, which adds to our database too. And when we send out emails to, to those people, we definitely see some conversion on that, but it's really hard, man. Like bloggers want to be paid, no offense to them, but they want to be paid a lot more and I feel like time they spend on their post, which I'm handing to them on a silver platter. Yep. And it's, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it's, it's like with the limited amount of money to spend, it's like, where's the best place to, to focus. Yep. And uh, that's been the, the hardest thing for us to kind of nail down. But I think it's, it's starting to pick up, which is good. And I think the second half of our campaign should really show some more growth. So obviously I've interviewed quite a few companies in kind of your position where you're in that early phase. You've got got a great product going. Where do you guys see Kickstarter fitting in terms of your entire business plan of, you know, proving viability, raising some money, but also you have 118 backers who might buy product three, product four, the next leash, the next bed, whatever it might be. Um, And then obviously with like distribution of Amazon, just where does Kickstarter or where do you envision Kickstarter fitting you know, moving forward with your company. It's interesting. I know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll do a Kickstarter again for Pet OG. I know we'll do a Kickstarter for Try Provisions in the future. We've got a great idea for that one. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know that the pet space is, is the easiest, uh, you know, uh, crowdfunding idea to, to source. I think a lot of our core customers, which we've had great, you know, uh, conversations on Instagram with our followers and our network that we reach, but they, they are hesitant to, to touch anything in the crowdfunding space. Hmm. And it's, I, I, I thought maybe it would be the opposite because it's not a techie item and it's not, you know, it actually some, exists. It's we a real product stuff, that it's, yeah. you know, it's not hard to produce. It's fabric. You know, we've already made them. Right. Um, and we, I think we thought that that would make it easier for people to be more inclined to pledge, but I think it's actually been more difficult. Well, as for somebody who's in these conversations quite a bit, what I, what I've typically found for a company like yourself here is that the first campaign is always the hardest. This is like proving that right. you deliver on time. And typically in a lot of campaigns like this, your second and third projects are where you hit the, you know, 300 K 400 K. And it's, again, it's, it's, you, you, I wonder if people are reading into Jenny, how you, or uh, Jackie, how you keep putting this out in terms of like 
you're building, you're still building your database. You're still we building definitely people. Are. People are seeing you and seeing you and, and, and that trust just continues to build and build and build. Um, so I think everything you're feeling on a first campaign, um, which is why I want to do yeah. this interview. Cause I, you know, you're kind of harping on a lot of stuff I harp to with my clients on first campaigns. It's like, it's, this is the hardest time. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's it like Jenny so runs marathons and it's like, <laughs> it's like, you so want to do it and then you get there and you're like, why am I doing this? And then when yeah. it's done, you're like, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. yeah I think and the marathon I'm- is a great example of the uh, 30 <laughs> days and you know, the middle is just, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. I think we've hit that spot, but you know, I'm so glad that we did it and, and you're right. I, I we probably will do it again in, in maybe a year or two. Yeah. So what, what's the, um, in terms of being, you know, the entrepreneur scene, you know, maybe women in startup, what's the Fort Worth, Texas area like? For as far as networking, it's, it's great. Yeah, ne- networking, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know, events to go to, just connecting. What, what's that area like? It's pretty good. There's, I mean, there's always a lot of stuff to do. They do all sorts of meetups and stuff, um, kind of depending on your interests. So I work with the Alumni Association for my sorority, and I've met a lot of contacts through that, and we have stuff kind of every month that we go to. Um, as far as the like women in business, I've been to a few events, but most of them are in Dallas, not in Fort Worth. So it's a little bit Fort of a Worth's drive kind from of a here. small town, but but then we also have Dallas, which is a you know pretty major area. So yeah. you've got kind of all the same things that you'd find in, yeah. in any big city. But there are, there are quite a few people in our our like age group that are out actively trying to change things or to create something for themselves. So you always meet somebody that's kind of in the same same. Uh, same boat. Same boat. Yeah. yeah. What, what about um, in terms of Texas? Are there tax incentives or anything like that for small businesses? Not that I not know of. So. Yeah. Nothing, no. yeah. Nothing fancy, huh? No, it's not. It's not any easier to do business in Texas than anywhere else. I don't think. I don't think Other so. than it costs, you know, less. less to live here. So, right. You know, you can pay the bills a little easier, but. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, what have you? What's in terms of the campaign that's been act, active for the last fifteen days or so? What, what's been the you know the most comments or the the feedback coming in right now? We've had a lot of great, a great comments from people, and it's it's been good. Most most people are just saying, "Wow, I love that you're offering this. This is so cool." Yeah, I'm so excited to design. You know, my own I'm bed. so excited to design my own bed. We just put up our virtual bed builder this week. Uh, that people can go to our site and kind of click around and, you know, drag and drop their, their fabric choices together. And the, the other main question that people ask, <laughs> which is, it kills me. They ask, you know, if my dog chews on it, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, I would love to replace everybody's dog bed that their dog chewed on. But the fact is, when you buy a car yeah, and you spill all over it, <laughs> do I get a BMW, new car? The BMW is not going to replace your car because it was your fault. You know, if, if we set out to make a chew proof bed, yes, I would replace it. But we set out to make a bed that looks nice, is durable, it's, it's comfortable, comfortable, easy to take care of. You know, we, we warranty against, you know, any defect for a year and we warranty our fluff for five years. It'll stay fluffy. We'll restuff it for you. But, you know, every dog takes your bed as a chew toy. Like I, I, I can't, yeah. I would go broke or I'd have to double my price and that right. wouldn't be fair to everybody else. Yep, yep. 
So for you, Jackie, where did you actually learn sewing and, and this design? I mean, it was a school or <laughs> where did you pick uh, yeah. up this skill set? Yeah, my mom, uh, she, growing up, she always, you know, was, was a seamstress and, and sewed a lot of things. And I, I wanted to learn from her as a kid, but she, she's not the best teacher. Um, <laughs> she's, she's like a little bit impatient. I wouldn't say impatient, but just not good yeah, at demonstrating. Not listen to this, man. <laughs> and I would just get very frustrated with her and be like, "You're not showing me what to do." <laughs> and so I've had my sewing machine since I, my grandma bought it for me, like you know, ten or twelve years ago, and I barely used the thing. I've sewed maybe a couple pockets onto some t-shirts, like once. And uh, so starting up sewing a new product was a little bit scary for me because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Right. I, I don't. I don't know, but you know what? If you put your mind to something, there is an amazing website called youtube.com <laughs> that you can learn just about anything. And so I think, you know, over the past year, my skills have improved quite significantly. You should see our first sample. It was like pretty atrocious. And, uh, you know, it just, if you want to do something, you can. And, and that's what I believe. So, so how about for you, Jenny? Like, like where did marketing kind of fit into your uh, you know, upbringing and stuff? Uh, I mean, it, it really didn't. <laughs> I, I went, I went to school and I studied linguistics, so I had no plans of really doing anything the, the business route. Um, I actually started my first job as a customer service rep, and they needed help in the marketing department, so I started there, and I kind of just learned everything on my own. I did a lot of reading. Um, I had a great boss that taught me a bunch of stuff. So. Yeah, that's where yeah. it all came from. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So, you know, let's 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 look to, towards the future here. So, what do you guys see the next, um, you know, five years looking like? The next five years. Well, we want to expand. You know, obviously across the U.S. So we're in more than just our stores that we have now across the Southwest. We want to be able to ship internationally and have a huge, uh, you know, direct to consumer business because we really think the custom products will be our bread and butter for the foreseeable future. Um, we'll have a whole product line. I mean, Jackie has hundreds of ideas. She's not kidding when she says she's been dreaming of dog products for, for years. Yeah. My, my list of products <laughs> I want to create is miles long. And you know, our big, our big goal that we write on the wall is how do we get into 500 stores? Yep. You know, and, and, and we want these to be, to be mostly small retailers because this is a really high touch business. People right. care about their dogs so much, you know, they treat them like their kid. And, and it's, the, it's the same with the people who work in the stores. They they have conversations with their customers all the time. Oh, hey, you know, John, I see you all the time. How's your dog? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, right. it's very personal. It is. And, and right now I have relationships with all of our stores because I'm, I'm the, the rep, I guess, that mm -hmm. goes out there. And I, I would like to continue that. But the reality is if we're going to be in 500 stores, it can't be me. Right. So we'll we'll hire people that, that have, you know, as much love for their pets as we do and really care about the business and can really connect to those stores. Hiring a really active sales team, you know, having a great product development core, you know, in our, our Fort Worth facility and just creating more and more better stuff. You know, there's, there's so many new products we can create. I, I, I won't run out of things to do. So, so something that popped in my brain here with you guys being so into customizing your products, how to scale fit into your business model? Yeah, so that's a good question. Especially for mass production, 
you know, we can't necessarily produce everything all in our own Fort Worth place unless we end up having, you know, a 30,000 square foot cut and sew manufacturing facility in our own warehouse, which is a possibility. It could happen, you know, but we also are working with other local and U.S. based cut and sew uh, places that, that will be able to produce our mass production, you know, items to our spec and, and staying within the U S is super important to me. Um, we definitely source our materials and, and fabrics within the U S whenever possible. Obviously it's not always hundred percent possible, but you know, we, we run our products through compliance testing. We do safety testing on everything. And, and that's super important to me. There isn't a lot of regulation in the pet industry, but you know, I, it's my dog. My dog is my baby. Yeah. You know, I, I want, I want my products to be safe for, for my customers because we care. That's cool. Well, that's cool. Well, awesome. Well, I think we did it. I think we put together one heck of a podcast episode. What do you ladies think? Sounds, Sounds good. good. I think good, it's good. good yeah. This was All a great right. conversation. Awesome. So where can, outside of Kickstarter, where can people, you know, go to learn more about the company, maybe follow you guys? Where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find us on our website, petoji.com, P-E-T-O-J-I, like emoji, but with Pets. pet in front of it. Pet. Yes. Yep. And uh, we're also on Instagram, at petoji, and Facebook, get petoji, at get petoji. You know, I, I noticed that your Facebook seems to be your uh, bread and butter and you led with it. Has there been a social media platform that's been, that you feel is really working well for your ba- uh, brand over other ones? Yeah, you know, Instagram has actually been pretty effective for us, especially as far as conversion. Um, there's a lot, I'm sure you've seen it, dog-specific mm-hmm. accounts. Oh, yeah. And they love to work together. So if you work with one or two, you, you're instantly connected with 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all very active. Everyone wants to comment on, you know, things that they like. We get custom orders through Instagram all the time. When people see, you know, a leash that they love, they want to get the same thing or something slightly different for, for their own. Right. So that's been great. And they've all been super helpful to us. It's, uh, you know, we, we send them product to test and, and they give us their feedback. feedback. Yeah, it's been a good little community. And it's been a really good community because they want to see us grow better too. And, you know, we want to help them, you know, hang out with their dog and take great pictures. Yeah. Awesome. So, well, great stories. Good, good product. And uh, so I get maybe my last question. What's the next 30 days looking like? What's the big strategy? <laughs> well, we're going to be on Fox News on, on Sunday, Sunday okay. and we're hoping that that gives us, you know, a little bit of leverage when we contact more uh, more media, more media, and, and other outlets. We've got a couple meetings lined up next week. It seems like things are, are starting to pick up. You know, whether or not we explode is remains to be seen, but. You know, we're certainly off to a good start and we're, we're happy with where we've come and there's a long way to go, but we're, we're, we're ready for, for it. it. And, you know, we're, we're hitting the gas all the way till the end. Yep. Awesome. Well, all right. Well, officially this time, wrap it up. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, my fake wrap up a minute ago, but it was a great conversation. I, I appreciate you both taking some time out of your day to, to chat about the, about your successful Kickstarter campaign and sharing some knowledge and uh, talking about what you're working on. It's great stuff. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. How about that conversation? Huh? 
Lots of good stuff to take from there. Hope everybody's feeling inspired by listening to Jenny and Jackie, uh, how they've gotten to this point. Um, and I really appreciate them taking some time out of their day to talk to me. A uh, song we're listening to right now is a song called Time Rolls By. It's actually one of the f- first songs that the Sugar People wrote. Um, it's actually a leftover from uh, the band before that called Sour Moon. Yeah, I know. We're going back in the back in the history books here. But, um, yes, yeah, song that was on the Ray Stable story, and it's now probably 12, 13 years old. But, uh, you know, something I enjoyed. Something I enjoyed working on. So, all right, guys, I hope you guys had a great week. And uh, have a great weekend. And I will talk to you all on Monday.